It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Hi there, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Building. It's a brand new month, and with a brand new month, we are bringing in a brand new theme. This month and next month, we will be looking at the armor of God. It doesn't take much to look around at the world we live in today and realize that we are in a battle. But God has given us exactly what we need to stand in our struggle, to keep walking at times where we feel like we can't go on, and to not only stand and keep walking, but to really thrive at this time too, in any battle that we might be facing. Whether it's the challenges we see in our world or things that are going on in our homes, we know we can stand in the victory that Christ died to give us because he has given us the gift of his armor. So today we're gonna be starting uh, this this series and really some of what we're teaching, um, I wanna give credit to Priscilla Shire for writing the Bible study called The Armor of God. Some of this teaching uh, is based on what she has taught in her Bible study, just so you know that as we go forward. One of the things that she shares is the fact that really the armor of God cannot be looked at by itself um, just on its own. It's the end, one of the end pieces, one of the concluding pieces of the book of Ephesians. And so when we look at the book of Ephesians, it's all about who God is and who we are and the relationship that we have with him. And after he tells us who we are and after he reminds us who he is, he gives us this passage that says, after you understand all of that, I have something for you to put on. Because once you have an understanding of who you are, you can use the armor in order to stand in the struggle that you are in. You know, we can use this armor as a defense against the enemy's tactics and schemes in our lives. As we read this, this passage in Ephesians 6, we're going to read a few verses in just a second. But we do want to recognize that there are times in our lives where we are going through battles where it's evident that the enemy is working but there are also times when we go through storms things that happen because of natural circumstances um, things that happen because somebody else has has sinned and there's a consequence that falls into our life in this study we're going to be looking specifically at battles in these places where the enemy is working behind the scenes with the purpose of bringing us down Laura, let's go ahead and pick up with the scripture that we're really going to sit in for two months. Today, we'll just um, focus on the first three verses, uh, what I'll read to you. Ephesians 6, 10 to 19 is the full passage. Let's read through verse 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord. There's that word finally that you were talking about, mm -hmm. right? After yep. everything else you heard, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You'll notice that it did not say the enemy is your neighbor. <laughs> the one that you the one that you live with. We have we have That's one right. we have one enemy one key enemy who is alive and well and active never sleeping now i'm going to say that followed up with this there's actually three enemies for us 
The first one is Satan himself. He's the primary. But the enemy, the second enemy that attacks the believer is the world. The world has a whole lot that is targeted against um, life, anything that God's created, life. But who's behind the pressure that's coming from the world? It's Satan himself. And then thirdly, it's your flesh. Your own flesh rises up and fights and battles against you about the very thing that God wants to do in your life. Have you ever said that phrase, I'm, a, I'm my own worst enemy? Mm-hmm. It's, it's your flesh. It's that part of you that just wants to attack the very um, heart of God. So but behind, whether it's the enemy himself, Satan, or the world, or our flesh, who is behind it? It's Satan. And he has a goal to steal, kill, and destroy Like we say in John 10, 10, where God is, Jesus comes to give us life to the full. The enemy though, he has an agenda. It's, it's a, a a schematic plan on how to take those areas of your life that God wants to bless and to just tear them apart. It's hard. We can't see them. And what you can't see, uh, it's hard to put a finger and blame on somebody that you can't see, but the person who's arguing with you in front of you. Or maybe there's a, an aspect in government, or it's uh, maybe one of your children or your spouse that's just like hitting all your wrong buttons. It's very easy to target that person as the enemy. And the and meanwhile, Satan is sitting back going, yep, look who it is. In fact, he spends a lot of time pointing your attention to try to stir you up by the person who's literally in front of you. That is not the real enemy. It's the one who is twisting things in our lives and our circumstances with the goal to bring us down. And he has one plan to do that. He's been doing it since the Garden of Eden and he will do it until he is thrown into the abyss. He, how does he do that? He tries to discourage you. He tries to irritate you. He tries to hit the areas that you're afraid of. And he does this by shifting our focus, he's drawing our attention off of the things of God and onto the things of the world, onto the person that's in front of you, onto your own issues. And if he can get your shift your attention away from the real enemy by deceiving you, then he has the upper hand because he has a whole lot, especially believers, spending a whole lot of time battling, battling like symptoms as opposed to going after the real the real nugget the real cause it's like somebody who is trying to find a diagnosis and all they're doing is hitting all the symptoms instead so there's only one enemy he's really behind everything whether it's his personal attack or using the world or using our flesh we have got to learn how to fight the enemy who's invisible and stop fighting each other You know, it's interesting, Debbie, I think sometimes we give the enemy too much credit, though, because if we look at who our God is, you know, he is eternal, the the enemy is not, right? And our God is all powerful and the enemy is not. I think it's important to remember, even when we talk about the fact that we do have an enemy, we still have an eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God who has given us exactly what we need in order to stand against him every single day. And so while it's easy for us sometimes to focus on the enemy, that really is not going to be the focus of these next uh, few weeks. You know, we really want to focus on the armor that he has given us. And as we go through these weeks, we're going to have some practical 
tips, some practical application on how to put each piece on and what it looks like. I have to laugh because, well, it's not funny that Paul was in prison while he was writing this, so that's not what I'm laughing at, but I sometimes like to put myself in somebody else's mind and think, what were they thinking? I wonder if Paul was sitting there chained to a Roman soldier and, and in his mind saying, well, look at you. You are all suited up. You have on all the weapons of the world. And because you are wearing all of these weapons and because you have this uh, temporal earthly power, I am sitting here chained to you. But what you cannot see, Roman soldier, is that every single piece of armor that you have on, I have it on too. And while yours is gonna rust, and it's gonna fade, and it's gonna tear, and it's gonna be no good, right? And someday you're not gonna be able to be a soldier anymore because of your own physical limitations. My armor, what I have on, is never gonna fade. It's never gonna go away, and it will always have the power of God in it, behind it, and working through it. You know, I have to wonder, what was he thinking, right, when he sat next to this soldier? And I wonder if as he's writing this very uh, passage is saying, hmm, you have a helmet. Well, I have a helmet too, <laughs> you know? Did he start to look at that and as he's writing, you know, think to himself, look at what you have in the natural, but what I have in the spiritual is far superior to anything that you could possibly have on in the natural today. And so, you know, we're not used to uh, some of these tactics that God is telling us to use to fight. We typically, in our own natural flesh, we want to fight the way the world wants. Our flesh, like you just talked about, our flesh wants to rise up and use our tongues as a weapon or use our, uh, I don't know, use anything we can do with our hands or our emotions as a weapon. But what we find is when we struggle and we fight the way the world does, Deb, we end up exhausted and defeated. We were never meant, spiritual beings were not meant to fight with temporal earthly weapons. We were meant to fight with spiritual weapons. When we are fighting with what God has given us, we can walk in victory instead of struggling to fight and really ending up exhausted in the times that we find ourselves in. You know, we were never meant to use the world's weapons to try to solve heavenly battles. I think that is a key point here. We are in a heavenly battle. He has given heavenly weapons in order to fight the battle. Now, I have never wrestled. Uh, well, let me put this back. I wrestled as a little kid, right? You wrestled with your dad. <laughs> but I have never um, in competitively wrestled. But I have friends who have. And I've, I've gone and cheered for them and watched them. That word wrestle is the same word here in verse 12. We struggle for our struggle, for our wrestling is, is this match between us and an, and an enemy that we can't see. But if you want to get that picture of two wrestlers... Um, as they're standing on the mat, they are very intent watching each other. They have strategies. It's And, and wrestling, when you coach, um, my uncle was a big wrestler. He said it was always this, I'm anticipating the move of one of the, my opponent, and I'm two steps ahead. I mm. need to be aware mm. that he's going to come. He often will come at your weak side, 
And so I need to anticipate that by positioning myself in a place where I'm protecting my weak side and using what's strong, you know, to, to be able to go after the enemy. It's the same thing for us. The enemy loves to pick on your weak area. And so if you know there's an area that's weak, number one, you want to work on strengthening it, but you want to position yourself and use what's strong to, to set a shield, a protection, away that tactic of going after your weak side. Well, the weapons that we're going to be a part of our armor, this is part of what gives us the strength. And so we need to know, first of all, what we have. That's why you train. You train to anticipate how someone's going to make a move on you. And then you you your reaction your first go-to is to pull out that piece of the armor because you've been prepared for it i think a lot of times uh, when a believer really gets side like sidelined by the enemy they didn't see him coming they weren't looking they weren't anticipating that there's somebody like it says that, that the enemy is just like roaring lion that's prowling around getting ready to attack you when when christians walk through their day with their guard down with their defenses down, with their armor sitting in the closet, then they are going into their day with a very vulnerable place spiritually. And so just like this idea of wrestling, the enemy who we can't see, he is in your face. He's watching your every move and and has a plan to take you down. We too need to go into our day, not focused on what the enemy is going to do, but focused on what what pieces of this armor we need to put on we need a strategy now why is he picking on me why is he picking on you because at some point in your life you drew a line in the sand and you said i'm choosing to follow god as soon as no. you do, as soon as you do that right the enemy says okay now i am targeting you it's for some people think why did all my problems start when i accepted christ well the problems are always there but he wasn't, Satan wasn't as worried about somebody who's already gone to hell. As soon as you strap on, you know, the, the relationship with Christ, he comes and lives within you, you're immediately his enemy. And now he will target you because a powerful, spirit-filled believer is dangerous to the enemy because you have, you have this authority that God has given you to be able to speak the word and then draw more people to Christ and Satan will now target you. Amen. You know, I like that. I like that picture of a line in the sand because it's it's what side of the battle are you on? And when you look at uh, at battles in the in the past in the old days where one side was face to face with the other side, and, and you can almost see that ditch or or that line in the sand. Once you have chosen to go on the opposite side of the line that the enemy is on, you become the enemy of him. And so, yes, the battle is going to start. You know, face to face, like you talked about with wrestling face-to-face -face combat. One of the things that I'm excited to go through this uh, series uh, about is the fact that we're going to see how to put each piece of armor on, you know, and we're going to see what it looks like to live out that day. We're also going to see what it looks like when we don't have that armor on or when it's not in the right position, because all because you pick up, you know, your belt, doesn't mean you have it on or you have it on correctly. All because you pick up your breastplate of righteousness doesn't mean you put it on the right way. So we're really going to go through practical tips on how to stand suited up correctly in the armor of God. It's interesting because the same enemy that wants to 
fight with us and wrestle with us. Man, he wants to make us think that the weapons that God has given us are useless or aren't going to work against this particular situation. And think about it, when you're in a, a, a challenging time in a conversation, maybe you're in an argument with a spouse or a friend and, and words are flying and, and the Holy Spirit is prompting you, you know, uh, put on your belt of truth. You don't look in the natural like this big powerful person that's going to win because you got this belt of truth on we are still prone to want to say something so the other person would know that we have some power and yet the holy spirit's just saying put on your belt of truth doesn't matter if they can see it put it on you know putting on it's just think about it this way how many how many christians have bibles in their house maybe they have many bibles in their house many apps on their phone but they don't they don't open them. Mm -hmm. They don't use them. Yep. So you're talking about you not only have to have the armor, you have to put yep. it on and put it on yep. correctly. Like carrying yes. your Bible in your pocketbook does not mean that you know how what the scriptures say. So yep. you could have a soldier with a backpack with all his armor shoved in something. He technically has it. But so it's such a good visual, yep. Laura, when you're talking about yep. putting on these different pieces of the armor. Yeah, you physically have to do it. You have to do it right. Otherwise, yep. you put a shield on your foot. It doesn't work. Yep, that's right. That's right. And really, there are so many ways. Uh, I just can't. I'm so, so excited and really fired up about this study because there are so many ways that God has given us to utilize these amazing things. Our enemy would prefer that we would see our armor as useless and invaluable. Uh, you know, he would. we could look at every single piece of armor and we can hear the enemy telling us a lie. Like, we could think, you know, the one of the pieces that we're supposed to pick up is the, the shield of faith. And the enemy would perfect, per the, prefer that we pick up that shield of faith and say, ah, it's not big enough or it's not going to help us win this battle or that battle. I'm just going to put it down. I'd rather use my hands, you know, to engage in, uh, in something else with my hands in order to win this war. You know, the enemy would prefer that we say breastplate, breastplate of righteousness. You know, in the, in the old days, the breastplate was to cover their heart and we stand in Christ's righteousness now. So it's easy for us to believe the lie of the enemy and say, I don't need someone else's righteousness in order to stand. I've got my own heart. I can take care of this, you know? So it's not gonna cover me if I walk into Christ's righteousness. I gotta do this on my own. And yet, the truth is that without the breastplate of righteousness, our hearts are open to attack from the enemy. And we all know, especially, and I, I say this for myself, especially as women, sometimes when our hearts are exposed, we can fall. And so, you know, when we, when we put our hearts out there in the wrong way, we are easy to go with our emotions, but the breastplate covers it all up. The enemy would prefer that we look at our shoes, Debbie, you know, our shoes of peace, and boy, we all love shoes, but he would prefer that we look at the shoes of peace and say, why would I even put on shoes of peace? This world is so full of chaos. There is no peace in my family. I have always lived in chaos. I will continue to just live and roll in the chaos that I'm in. Why would I put on the shoes of peace? The lies of the enemy tell us we cannot live in peace in the middle of our chaos. And the helmet of salvation, you know, this one really gets me because 
The helmet of salvation is the only way to get to God. And yet the enemy wants us to think, and it sounds pretty and it sounds acceptable, that there are multiple ways to God. There are multiple different helmets that we can put on, and yet there is only one way to God. The enemy would have us look at our helmet and say, we don't really need that. We can put on any helmet and we're still going to get to God. It is a lie and he would want us to see that it is invaluable. And the last one, honestly, well, there's a few more, but one of the ones I want to highlight last is the word of God. You know, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. The enemy would want us to think that in today's cultural society, the word of God is no longer relevant, that it is powerless for today's problems, that it might have been good for days when Paul was sitting in prison, but it's not good in the chaos of 2020 or any year after. But the enemy is defeated by our sword. He is defeated by the word of God because the word of God is alive and is still changing lives regardless of how many times the enemy has tried to steal it and destroy it. Deb, have you have you heard through the years all of the times that the, even when the printing press was going out, how many times the Bible has been, uh, they try to outlaw it, they try to destroy it, they try to burn it, they want the Bible to go away, and yet the word of God remains. It's still the bestseller, right? But the enemy wants us to think it's not relevant. How in the world could a book that is not relevant ever not be the best seller? That is our sword. And while, like you just said, we can keep it in our backpack and we can think it's, it's a great read for five minutes a day, but we know, need to know how to utilize it and keep walking with it if we want to defeat the enemy. We learn the truth in the word of God. And truth is the final thing that I want to talk about for real. You know, the enemy's number one plan all the way back in Genesis was to deceive God's people, to get us tripped up and have us walk the wrong way. If we think that the truth is no longer relevant or there is no standard of truth, which is what the world wants us to think, which is what our flesh wants to think, like you were talking about, and which is what the enemy wants to think, we will believe a lie and we will be deceived. And when we are deceived, like we will get into another time, Cain and Abel's story, it leads to death. At the end of the armor, you think, well, that's it. That's You've got all the pieces of the armor, and I think that's enough. Let me just pick up at verse 18 and just highlight a little bit. It says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. This is coming right after your Bible truth. With all kinds of prayer and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. And he, he talks about, so bubble out, stand, and then stand again. How do we stand with all this armor? How do we stand in the midst of this, uh, whether it's the battle that's directly at us or in the storms, it's going to come through prayer. Not just praying by ourselves, praying in the spirit as the spirit would direct and praying with each other, targeting uh, the prayer is what's going to add power to each one of the pieces of your armor. He's calling men and women who are willing to not run from these battles, but who are willing to stand firm. And and you may think, you know, sometimes you may think, well, prayer is so boring. Well, if you knew what your prayer was accomplishing, if you could Amen. see the enemy for what he's really doing, and you recognize that prayer is the main power source that's going to get you 
uh, to be able to stand firm against the enemy, I think you would pray a little bit stronger. Yes, you yes. Know, I, and I've listened to missionaries come home, you know, over the years, and they talk about how they got up at three in the morning to pray. And I remember mm. listening to them going, oh, my gosh, three in the morning. Yes. How, how do you pray for three hours? And their yes. response was, if you saw what I was dealing with during the day, three hours is not enough. Amen. And, you know, here in the United States, I'm just thinking, wow. I, I'm missing something, and that's exactly yes. what the enemy wants us to do, is miss something. Yes. It's the invisible right. battle, and we don't see it for what it is. When your eyes start to be uh, receiving God's perspective, what he's seeing, man, that drives you to your knees a lot yep. a lot harder. You know, it's an interesting, uh, in this day and age, there's a lot of things that we are experiencing uh, in the in 2020 that we didn't have 10 years ago. And one of these fascinating, <laughs> awesome tools with our phones is called AirDrop. You know, where you and I would have uh, pictures that we want to share with each other. And we AirDrop them by standing in close proximity to each other and sharing data back and forth. Well, in a sense, our prayer life, because the Holy Spirit who lives in us is the one that communicates from the Father's heart to us. It's like it's almost like our prayer is an airdrop of of God's ideas, of mm. God's strategy for battle, of yep. pulling back scripture that we need to focus on. It's like he's airdropping it to us so yep. that we can fight this unseen enemy who is very real, who has yep. a very real goal to destroy us. And that that prayer is what fuels the uh, the weapons that we have. You know, you can have your these different pieces of the armor sitting there, but what empowers the weapon in use? It's going to be the Spirit of God as you pray yep. into that. But what do you? How does airdrop work? I can't. You're in Tennessee right now. I'm in Delaware. <laughs> My airdrop's not going to work with you. We have to be sitting next to each other. That's right. Uh, it take, comes back to in John 15 where Jesus is so clear. He says, "Abide in me." remain mm. in me stay connected mm. to me and, and mm. when we start pulling away whether we're getting distracted by our mm. own schedules or we're pulling away because frankly he's asked us to do something and we're disobedient mm -hmm. or we're pulling away because we are becoming lovers of other things other than him taking their first priority, the, that airdrop, it's like, it's like moving states, right? It's going to be farther away. Does his spirit still live in us? Absolutely. But are we in a position to really receive what he wants to tell us? Not at all. And so if you feel like, you know, I have been, I have been reading, like checking the box, reading my scripture, I'm checking the box, going to church, but that personal time abiding staying connected, surrendering to him, that's where the power is going to come. That's where when I pray and I ask God to open my eyes, let me see things a little bit more the way you see them. One of the first things he does is he changes the enemy in your mind. It's not the person in front of you. It's it's the one who's behind it, who's wreaked havoc in that person's life. And, and it's causing them to treat you in such a terrible way. So we want to have that closeness. Prayer is the is what's turning the airdrop on. It's putting us in proximity so that we can really see what the Father's doing in the heavenly places and how he wants to fight for us. It's about having our eyes opened. Amen. It really is. It really is, Debbie. When we open our eyes 
and ask the Lord to show us what's happening in heavenly spiritual places instead of focusing our eyes on what is happening in the natural, I think we automatically stand up a little stronger. We straighten up our armor. We are ready to roll because we know the truth that we see in front of us. There's a story in uh, 2 Kings 6, and it is probably one of my top 10,000 favorite stories in the Word of God. Um, but it is Elisha. He is a prophet of God, and he has a servant, and it happens in a city called Dothan. Just to give you a very quick rundown on this story, there is an enemy coming after Elisha. And he is in the house. The enemy opens up the door and he looks out and he sees that the city that he lives in is surrounded by the enemy. Literally, a king has sent an enemy in order to get the man of God to be brought down and surrounds the city with his soldiers. The servant opens the door, opens his eyes, and he sees an enemy completely surrounding him. Elisha comes to the door and sees the servant and sees the circumstances, but he knows there is a bigger picture going on in unseen places. And so, to your example, Elisha turns the airdrop on. He prays to God. He goes into that place in heavenly places before the throne of God, and he asks that the servant's eyes would be open so he could see. And when the servant's eyes are open to the spiritual world, what he sees is that while the city may be surrounded by the enemy soldiers, the city itself is surrounded by a circle of hills. And in the hills, a greater, larger circle Heaven's army is sitting, standing, ready to fight. When the servant's eyes are open, he sees that while there may be an enemy surrounding the city, there is an army of unseen beings in heavenly places surrounding the enemy. And when he sees from God's perspective, from a heavenly perspective, it changes the way he stands and the way he sees his problems because he knows that the small enemy that looks so powerful in the natural is going to be brought down by the larger enemy that we may not see in the natural, but is over supremely powerful over any uh, advance or attack of the enemy. And the story goes on that, you know, Elisha is, is spared. And, and actually to read the story, it just keeps going on with more miracles one after the next. But it did not start for the servant until Elisha prayed that his eyes would be open. As we go through this series together for these next two months, it is critical, I think, Deb, that we all are praying, God, open my eyes to see the reality of the victory that you have and the way you have positioned me to stand victoriously and open my eyes to see the reality of who the enemy is, that he, that God is greater than, stronger than, bigger than, more powerful than anything that may be circling us right now. I love some of your examples. If you're having a situation with a, a, somebody in your house, man, you can feel like your home or your kids like the enemy is just encircling you and you can feel like you can't get out. 
But let me tell you, open your eyes. Pray that God would open your eyes because outside of your home and in your circles, there is another circle going on of, of angel armies suited up to fight for you. And God has given you exactly what you need in order to stand. It's a great story to read to show us a, a spiritual principle on how to apply it to our lives. I think our prayer as we go through this thing would be, God, open our eyes. Keep me connected to the vine. Keep me seeking you and keep me knowing that in places where I cannot see, you've got the battle won. I think we can stand in our armor a little stronger that way. I look back at, uh, historically, the church that has not experienced a lot of opposition hmm. has been the church that hasn't really been aware that there is an opposer. Yes. Right? Yes. The churches that know there's an opposer, right? yes. an enemy, and they are drawing the line and they're saying, we are not victims. We yep. uh, we serve a victorious father and Jesus who took everything on the cross for us so that we can win. Yep. Uh, they're the churches that are growing. Those are the churches where there's life. Uh, the churches, that, and, and break it down to individual yep. believers that don't believe that there's actually a battle going on. Uh, Satan doesn't really harass them. They're just cruising through and they're blinded to what's really there. And they're ineffective. So I don't want to be numbered in the ineffective troops. I want to be <laughs> numbered in an effective, you know, That's soldier right. for Christ. That's right. And so as you've said, we're going to be focusing these two months, piece of armor by piece of armor. There's there's great um, fun in taking a look at how these pieces of armor were used in Bible times. I mean, that's where Paul was using this example. Uh, so we're going to be studying each piece of armor and we're going to be learning uh, how we use them to defend our position and then the piece of armor that's used to attack. You know, there's it's learning, understand how to use your tool. Otherwise, you can use your tool yep. incorrectly or just put yep. it down on the shelf because it overwhelms you. And part yes. of that will be really impractical situations that you and I have walked and examples from, from things we've seen. It's one thing to... Um, look at a, a saw it's another thing to use it it's another thing to build a house with it so yes, that's going to be yes. a lot of fun so yes we want to thank you for joining us on this first episode about the fact that there's a battle there's a very real enemy we hope that you will uh, continue with us next week we're going to be looking at the belt of truth we may not always do them in the right order but at the end of the two <laughs> months all your coverings will be on there so thank you for joining us today for this episode of Beyond the Building. Laura Prino, Debbie Kiever, we are grateful for you. And uh, we hope you'll come back, share this uh, podcast with your friends, especially if you have somebody in your world who is battling, who's overwhelmed and they feel like they're getting knocked down more than they are standing. Uh, they probably are not using their armor of God at all or correctly. This would be a really empowering a series for them to be part of. So once again, thanks for joining us today. We hope you have a, a great day of uh, putting your armor on and turning your lives uh, over to the one who's leading this battle. We love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for joining us today. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more 